Hello and welcome to your report. No, it's not your report. <laughs> it's not a report. Welcome to our 2024 predictions. It is this time of the year where we predict what's going to happen with Nikon and maybe potentially with photography industry in 2024. Sit tight, buckle up, and let's begin. Grab a brew. First up, we did look back at our 2023 predictions video just to see what we said last year. That's right. We were surprisingly on point about a lot of things. And we surprisingly were wrong about a lot of other things. So <laughs> go figure. But obviously a lot of you watched this one, so you can cross-reference this and tell us where we were wrong. That's right. First up, we... We'll start at the top of the camera bodies and work our way down. So obviously we're talking about Z cameras now because that is what we've got. Yeah, no G50 replacement? No. No DSLR forever? That's right. Unfortunately not. All right. So then Z9 Mark II or Z9H or whatever you're going to call it. So my prediction is that Nikon will just do firmware updates this year on the Z9. I don't think we're going to see another camera this early on in the game. I do realize it is an Olympics year and that there is obviously this whole news of global shutter. Wow, it's very exciting. So will you reckon we're going to get a global shutter via firmware update? <laughs> no, I'm saying that I don't think we're going to get a global shutter okay. in a Z9-esque camera this year. That's my prediction. So no Z9 Gen 2 or some sort of little brother. Is that what you think? I don't think so. Okay. I can be proven wrong. Okay, well, that's an interesting take. I agree with you. But at the same time, I think that we might see a Z9H. Okay. With the Global Shutter, I mean, genuinely, Nikon had releases for sport events. Yes. And because Paris Olympics are coming, we may have two different things. Obviously, we can get a Z9 fast camera with a low-resolution sensor mm -hmm. with a Global Shutter. Right. And for this, obviously, if... You know what Sony A9 Mark III is. I think that's going to be a good template of what we can potentially see in the future for this camera. Obviously, one of the benefits of Global Shutter, because it records every pixel at once instead of going from top to the bottom, which means you will eliminate the jada or the jelly effect, which is great for video work. And also you can get 120 frames per second in RAW mm -hmm. effectively. So it's effectively video footage, which effectively steals. Yeah. So you can get all those things. Obviously the downside of this at this moment, because we're on the first generation of global shutter, is the nature of ISO is actually 250. And if you see those high ISO tests that are now available online, the camera's quite noisy. Mm -hmm. It's 24 megapixel sensor, but it is quite noisy. So yes. there's a trade-off. So maybe Nikon will wait for Gen 2 of Global Shutter. You know, maybe they'll do, maybe they won't. We will see. But it may potentially happen. Let's wait and see. If Nikon decides a release, a new generation of Z92, but without Global Shutter, that's where we're going to have a difficulty of thinking what else can they add if there's no Global Shutter in there. What do you think? What can they improve? I mean, they probably would use the same sensor. Right? Mm -hmm. So what do you improve? Fox is really fast already. You've got video functionality is really good. We are on firmware 4 yes. of the camera. So they've obviously been working on it with a series of firmware updates. And you're right, they may just release a firmware 5 as well, if that's the case. But what else do you think they can do in Gen 2 camera without adding a global shutter? I don't think they can. That's the thing. I don't see any logical progression of improvements for a Z9H or a Z9S or Z9 Mark II, whatever they decide to call it, without a global shutter. Not because I think that global shutter is the be-all, end-all of, of our future of photography, but because that is what enables them to do things like have no limitation on the flash sync shutter speed mm -hmm. and those ridiculously high shutter speeds 
of 80 thousandths of a second and what have you. That's where that comes into play. So that technology goes hand in hand with the improvements that might be needed for something like an Olympic event. But as it is, I think that the Z9 would probably be more than capable for an Olympic event like that. Okay. Another speculation could be a Z1 camera, the mother of them all, really, Mm -hmm. you know, and that could be its own thing. Which instead of let's say Z9H, right? They could release. They could call it Z1 as well. Sure. You know, as an option, and it, then it would still need a global shutter. It will still need a global <laughs> shutter, absolutely. And then all Z9 users decide that I had a, you know, flagship. Now I have to upgrade to a newer flagship. It's it's definitely a tough choice. I don't know if the Nikon have released themselves into a corner, if you know what I mean, the, mm-hmm. with the numbering system or how they've decided to do their releases. But I do know that whatever they decide to do, it is going to be appreciated by the photographic industry at large, but also by Nikon users. So what you're saying is they almost shot themselves in the foot by being too good. Almost. <laughs> Very interesting. Okay, well, then we move on to... A replacement of Nikon Z8. Are we going to see what? No. no. Good. That's the end of it. That's going to be the shortest segment that I have to do, you know, in the timeline where you have to do the chapters. Yes, That's exactly. Right. Now let's move on to Gen 3 cameras. And obviously we have Z6 and Z7 cameras. Shall we start with Z7 since we go kind of from top to the bottom? For sure. What do you think Z7 Mark III can be? I think that you and I are going to agree that a Z7 Mark III would be potentially have a higher resolution sensor with some of the more high speed features stripped out of it so that it doesn't compete with the Z8, Z9 in any way, but becomes almost its own thing in its own space of high resolution, landscape, fine art photography, portrait photographers, anyone who needs to do fine detail reproduction, etc. And then that will also hopefully make the price point not too close to the Z8 because they won't add a whole bunch of extra features Mm -hmm. in there. Potentially, also, they might go 45 megapixels with pixel shift, is the other idea. Well, that could be the thing. But as you say, because uh, the current 45 megapixels, they're stacked, so they're really, really fast. Yeah. And there's no 60 megapixel stacked sensor. So the only 60 megapixel sensor is available on Sony cameras, and it's also available on Leica M11. Mm-hmm. You know. So they could potentially go 60 megapixel route. And that means the camera is going to be slower. You can still put the processor. Yeah. Um, the fast processor in it, so you can still get the speed of auto focus. Sure. Uh, it may not be as fast as that is at night, but it will be on the same level as that, which is really, really good. Very good. I, again, why not throw in a, a pixel shift in there? Because technically, we have a new vibration reduction redesigned on the sensor now, mm-hmm. so on Nikon ZF. So I assume that would go into a new camera as well. I think so. Therefore, why not have a pixel shift? Obviously, we we'll start to hit some crazy megapixels with this. But again, if that camera would be aimed, let's say, for high-res photographers maybe in the studio for some commercial advertising work, you know, then they will get all the resolution they need. And maybe for some casual users, it's not that important. For some people, definitely, they would look for that in the newer camera. So that could be the case. But if they decide to keep the same sensor as a Nikon Z9 and Z8, what do you think Z7 will be priced at And how different can it be from those cameras? That's very tough because if they're going to keep the sensor the same, then what they essentially have to do is bulk it up with other features that are not already available in the Z7 Mark II. So they don't want to compete with the Z8. They want to improve over the Z7 II and still make it a camera that's desirable for people. So they have to gimp the camera. But then if you look at Nikon ZF, they actually went opposite. They threw in as much technology as possible. So, So it kind of... 
you know, if they go the opposite way on Nikon Z7, that will bring a lot of criticism. So I don't, I don't think that would be the right way to do that. So if they then throw in the technology in Z7, how different is it going to be from Z8, a part of obviously different size and the build of the camera? Well, what essentially they'll do is take the technological advances in the ZF, which include the redesigned vibration reduction system and the focus point VR and the pixel shift and everything and stick it on the same 45 megapixel. It will be a redesigned 45 megapixel sensor, but that would that's essentially what they would do. They would take those features that they put in the mm -hmm. ZF, but make them 45 megapixels. And then that's the Z7 Mark III. So, okay. Job done. So technically you're going to get certain features on Z7 Mark III are going to be better than on Nikon Z8. Well, yes, but technically we've already got that on the ZF. Well, that's the thing. And then it should cost below Z8 price-wise, yes. Z7 Mark III. So the camera would be better in terms of technologies than Z8 and going to cost less. That's my question. A part of the build size and weather ceilings, how they can differentiate the camera to actually keep it under Z8, so not to supersede Z8 in terms of performance, and keep it cheaper as well. I don't think it's going to be better than the Z8. I think that the Z8 autofocus system... The Z8 autofocus system is still better than the ZF. Yes. So, you know, the Z8 has 450-something focus point. So if Z7 has the same sensor, then Z8 is the time, the same processor, mm. how can this camera be very different from those two cameras and be cheaper at the same time without superseding the performance of those cameras? No, I 100% see your point. And I think, and this is obviously my own interpretation of it, but that the Z7 Mark III in that form would not have a place in the Nikon lineup. It doesn't make sense for them to have a camera that is so close in technology to a Z8 and make it even 500 pounds cheaper. Mm -hmm. Obviously 500 pounds cheaper, but with a smaller body does kind of make sense, but it will already be a year younger than the mm -hmm. Z8, shall we say. And we don't want to steal limelight from the Z8 and Nikon would not want to do that. So I think our bets, are very much on a higher resolution Z7 Mark III. Slower camera. Much slower camera. So it's a little bit like, so you get this nice high resolution camera, but you get it at the cost of a little bit of speed of focus processing, etc. Yeah. But what we're saying is those focuses are still going to be faster. Mm. It's going to be very close to performance of Z8 or on level of ZF. So, which is going to be absolutely fine for studio photographers and landscape photographers. And obviously, it will be better than Generation 2 cameras, miles better. So, but the, what we, when we say slow is obviously it's, uh, the, it's a different non-static sensor. So, you're going to get less frames per second. You get, obviously, bigger files, mm -hmm. not just higher resolution, but also in megabytes. And that's where the slowness is going to come from. So, okay. So, when do you think we're going to see Z7 Mark III release? <laughs> I had originally placed my bets on next autumn. Okay. But I think you think it's sooner. Well, I don't know. I personally think that we will see Z6 III sooner, and then we will see Z7 III at a later stage, but maybe within three months or so. Okay. It could be simultaneous release, but I think because they're going to be different cameras, I would really pot them out a little bit, even let's say a month's difference, just for each camera to have its own limelight. So, you know, that's what I'm thinking, mm. you know. So, but... I think that if Z63 in the first quarter of the year, so before the end of the financial year or literally April time. Like straight after. Exactly. Then Z7 Mark III will follow within, let's say, one to two months, you know. Sure. And I quite like that pattern of release because it's always been odd to us to have a Z6 and Z7 
and then Z62, Z72 release at the same time. Nikon had never really done that before, where it was a simultaneous launch of both cameras. And I think that those cameras, now that mirrorless has established itself a bit more, it, they have enough in their own right to be of interest to a large market of people. So I do think they don't need to share the limelight, as you say. So that brings us to the Z63. Yes. So the Z63, we think, is what now? Well, there are two options in terms of sensor choice. It's either 24 megapixel sensor, but maybe obviously updated stack to a fa very fast readout. Right. Or we're going to go to 30 megapixel plus, so something like 33 megapixel, which is Sony sensor is available mm -hmm. with that resolution, which is still good in low light, which is still very fast. And then we throw in everything we have in Nikon ZF right now. Okay. So effectively that technology that trickled down from Z9 to Z8 and from Z8 to ZF. So XP7, you know, very fast readouts. I think, uh, you know, we may even see 8K, who knows? Because mm -hmm. for that, we will need 33 megapixel sensor. Right. You know? So, and obviously, because it's a small bump, realistically, over the, you know, over the 24 megapixel sensor. So effectively, let's say if 24 megapixel sensor is about uh, 6,000 pixel wise, then the 33 would be about, uh, well, technically something like um, 7,700 pixels or so, you mm -hmm. know. So good jump, enough for 8K. As long as we have a big buffer, as long as we have processor to allow for this, I think we're going to have a great time and obviously keep the low light going, which means all the Gen 2 Z6 users would jump on it and would be really, really happy. Yes, I think that having both the Z6 III and the Z7 III jump a little bit in resolution will make a huge difference both to existing Z6, Z7, Z6 II, Z7 II users, uh, but will also bring a whole host of new people into the Nikon fold. And I pretty much agree one for one on all of those features and attributes that you said that it will have. I think that we're looking at possibly a very exciting camera for the early part of 2024. Yes. And let's think about Z6. This is the camera that is amazing value for money. So when Z6 released, it was a great 4K camera. It was The video was better than on Z7. Yep. It's sharper. So videographers went this way. You could even get a raw support if you send your camera to Nikon, then it would update it for you. So you, then you can attach all sorts of ninjas and record the raw files on That's that. right, yeah. You know, so you could, do, you could do that for video work. So I'm thinking that as a value for money, Z6 Mark III has to get that 8K bit, which yeah. is going to be a good selling point under that price range. Yeah. And obviously Nikon now has really good video functionality uh, for video work via firmware updates that they've done with Nikon Z8 and Z9s. So in terms of this, once you add those features, it could be the camera aimed at videographers. It could be a camera aimed for sports photographers on the budget mm -hmm. because it's going to be really fast, really good high frame rate at small resolution. And it's also Z6 is technically from in mirrorless system is the best camera in low light as well exactly. in terms of noise levels. Yeah. If we can keep the low light on the same level as 24 megapixels but increasing the resolution, mm. then we're going to still have that camera for low light photography that they were craving for. So, yes. so if Nikon Z6 Mark III will hit all those points, all yeah. those highs, it will be technically the ultimate camera from Nikon because mm. it's not just it does everything, but it also has the right price. Because price-wise, it's not going to be expensive in Z8 or Z9. And for a lot of people, they would choose Z6 Mark III over Z7 Mark III mm -hmm. for that specific reason. So, you know, and bump and resolution hopefully will add this 24 megapixel dominance, you know, that's yes. been reigning here for decades, really. You know, doesn't mean it's bad. Obviously, we both use ZFs and they produce really nice images. But I think it's time 
for us to slightly improve on that. And so you reckon that we will see a Z63 either at the end of this financial quarter, which is March, or the beginning of the next financial year? Yes. So the rumors say that the camera was supposed to be released in 2023. We heard it a few times. Yes. So that means that probably camera is ready, mm. you know, and then it's ready to go and Nikon is waiting for the right time. So I think potentially announcing the first quarter of the year from anyway, January to March, and sometimes Nikon used to announce things in March. So the sale starts in April to boost their financial year, beginning of financial year. Clever, clever. So, so it could be that as well, mm. but I think it's going to definitely happen in the first quarter and if not the first six months of the year. And there you have it. And now the camera announcement you've all been waiting for. So Z5 Mark II, is it yay or nay for 2024? I really hope it's a yay. For the Z5 entry into full frame users, I hope that it exists. But I will say they don't need to do much to it in order to just bump it up a little bit. It actually is a fantastic camera and I don't necessarily feel that it needs a major improvement or a major change in order to just, it just needs a little bit of updating. Yes, what's interesting is this year we hit price-wise a big milestone with this camera. We went under thousand pounds or thousand dollars. In the UK, on recent Black Friday sales, going for under 900 pounds for the body only, which is incredible value for a new mirrorless system. It really is. You know, so the question is really, what Z5 Mark II can do over Z5, where it can be better. We also have Z6 Mark II, which once replaced, mm-hmm. will still be sold by Nikon. Yeah. And maybe they will lower the price mm-hmm. because Nikon tends to sell their old-gen cameras after release on new one and kind of run two generations one by one. Yeah, they do a bit. So where does Z5 Mark II, we'll see it in this case. It is an interesting question. I think Nikon will surprise us one way or the other with this camera. And although I feel like we are predicting a lot of cameras to occur this year, whereas historically, at least in the last couple of years, we've only seen two camera releases per year, I'm hoping that 2024 is the year of big things for them. Mm-hmm. So so if they do bring out a Z5 replacement, I think it would be towards the end of this year. But I hope that it would take basically the innards of the Z6 II with a few extra features in it. Exactly. Release it as a Z5 Mark II. Yep. Keep it at that like a thousand pound price mark so that on sale, it drops just below, makes it accessible for people who want to move to full frame. And I think that you're golden. I agree. I don't think we'll see a Gen 3 technology in Z5 Mark II because throughout the year, they won't hit that level in terms of cost of production to bring this technology so down to make it so inexpensive. I agree. If you look at the Nikon DSLR range, Cameras like D3000 and D5000 series were updated every year, and it was basically a rehash of the same camera with a new number on it. Mm-hmm. So I personally think that you're absolutely right. We're going to see a Z6 II with Z5 badge on it, mm-hmm. priced differently, with the new bells and whistles added, which are going to be mostly cosmetic. But then the idea of this camera is not to push the technology, but to keep the price down to a certain minimum and not go over it. So in terms of this, it's going to be, again, one of those cameras that give you a fantastic value for money that you can spend and you'll get amazing results with it, but it will not push the envelope of technology that much. Okay. Okay. Now let's talk about some wild cards really in full frame range. So what do you think? Are we going to see another camera that that doesn't fit any Nikon lineup at the moment? For example, 
a dedicated Nikon Z video camera. I perhaps. knew you were going to say. I knew you were going to say that. It has been rumored. It mm. has been talked about, mainly by us and a few other people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Nikon are excited enough yet to actually develop a dedicated video camera. To be honest, if I were working in Nikon, I would wonder if they even, they would need almost like a dedicated department to develop that, to make sure that it's up up on yeah. the on par with the industry leading video cameras. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if Nikon are there yet in their thinking on video cameras, but they obviously are very interested in that. They have been massively developing their video for the last almost 15 years. Yes, I mean, if you look at mirrorless lineup, a lot of the lenses that have been released for Nikon mirrorless lineup, they have very little breathing. Yeah. So they were designed for videographers in mind. So that's thing number one. Number two, I think it's the first year where we generally, in terms of lenses, we don't really need to plug any holes. Obviously, there are lenses to be released, and we'll discuss them later um, in this podcast. But we kind of got everything a lot of people wanted. Mm-hmm. So in terms of this, we now have time where they can start to think about different things. Yeah. And before we would say, well, why not video camera now? Well, because they have some other urgent things. They need to release Z9 or they need to release Z8. They need to bring the prices down. They need to release a lot of lenses. And that's what we saw in the past. Yes. I think this is the first year where we say that, let's say, Nikon doesn't need to rush things over. Obviously, we need generation three cameras. But after that, we've got the videos that have a already kind of designed towards videographers in mind. Mm-hmm. We have Z30, which was kind of first foray to the vlogging camera. So in terms of this, I have kind of two cameras in mind. One is Nikon Z3, which is vlogger's camera. Okay. Yeah, so... But we call it a Z3. Well, the reason for that is we have Z30. Oh, I see. And we have Z3. That's the logic behind it. Okay. So everything about Z30 is, but better, mm-hmm. more professional. Obviously, vibration reduction on the sensor, mm-hmm. that's important. Okay. Lots of ports, mm-hmm. you know, that could be camera number one. The camera number two could be a little bit more advanced than this, with more ports, maybe even different design, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more boxier design, which videographers like, which means, which means it's really good for rigging up to put into big rig, putting big batteries behind, maybe put it on the shoulder, all yeah. the mud boxes, you name it, all the yeah. handles. So that could be next. But then when we talk about DK video camera, it's still going to take Nikon Z glass. So it's not going to yeah. be PL mount or anything like this, but specific features that videographers will appreciate Lots of mounting options, mm-hmm. lots of mounting options, software to support this, you know, with all the zebras, false colors, you name it, you know. So that could be an option. I think it's the first year we we can say that Nikon can venture into the side of things freely without plugging some other holes and uh, or putting the other fires. Sure. I do think that the Z6 III might be that, might have enough of that to almost call it like the first Z mirrorless camera to really have videographers in mind because I feel like that is the one with that sensor that could produce 8K that makes it realistic. But I realize what you're saying is like, we because t- it would still shoot stills, right? Yeah, it could be a Z6 III, but sl- in slightly different form factor for right. videographers, right. if you see what I mean. Yeah, because, so it would have to be a different shape. Exactly. So if you look at Sony dedicated line of cameras, FX series, yes. you know, that's exactly what Nikon needs to do. Mm. You know, I mean, technically we'll have, we'll share a lot of specs mm. from those cameras, but then it will be aimed at videographers for specific videography features because Z6 Mark III should really address stills photography crowd first. Sure. 
you know, and in terms of this, there's slight difference that where, let's say, still photographers would prefer over video functionality and videographers will need a slightly different form factor to get their functionality going. Indeed. Do you agree with me? Do you think it could be the year that Nikon gets into the video side of things? Or you think that they'll just continue with their line of cameras and they won't introduce, they, they will say that, well, we have video functionality now, steals cameras, yeah. so use that. I'm more inclined to say the latter, uh, but that's not to say that they won't do that. I do feel like they're doing the same thing over and over at some point is is going to stagnate them a little bit and that they should definitely branch into mm. new types of camera realm. So I don't think you're at all off the mark. I just don't know how soon they're going to get there. Yeah, I think in my opinion, Nikon shouldn't replace anything with it. It should be its own thing with its own functionality and features and should replace anything that is in the current Nikon lineup because current Nikon lineup is very, very good. It's going to be additional camera, which then can add a lot more people using other brands into the Nikon system. Yes. All right. Good. Now let's move on to DX cameras. So if we're again working from the top down, we've got the ZFC technically at the top. I don't think we're going to see a replacement for the ZFC at this point. Okay, what about Z50? Z50 is one that I really want to talk about. Yes, I was surprised that we didn't see the update of Z50 Mark II in 2023. That's right. It came out back in October 2019. Four years ago. Four years ago. <laughs> Technically, ZFC was an update of Z50, mm. but in a different form factor. Indeed. But I think it's time for us to see the latest and greatest technology in the new cameras. Now, what kind of technology they can have now in the DX lineup. So what I feel is the way forward for Nikon and DX, and I think Tom Hogan's spoken about this before as well, but the Z50 was supposed to be kind of the, the slightly higher end DX camera. ZFC is its own retro thing, and then the Z30 was your entry level. That's, that's the concept behind it. So if the Z50 is supposed to be a higher end DX camera, then we're actually comparing it to not Nikon's DSLR equivalent um, D7000s, but closer to the D500s. Yes. So I don't think that they're necessarily going to go full pro with the Z50 because mm -hmm. it will then make it cost... Um, yeah. What's it? Cost prohibitive? Pro pro yeah. No, thank you. Because <laughs> I'm English. <laughs> it will make it cost prohibitive if they do that. However, I do think there is a happy medium between them. So we want hopefully a bit more resolution. Just mm -hmm. a little bit. 24 megapixels is fine on DX sensor. Yeah, do you think we finally will see that? Well, we had it, and then we got 20, and then we haven't moved off 20 for quite yeah. a long time. I think we need it. We desperately need it because we had this sensor since D500 release, which was released back in 2016. So we are in 2024. <laughs> it's been eight years. I think it's a good time to update the sensor. It is time. So with the Z50 becoming, let's say, 24 or even 25 megapixels on a DX sensor, and key point here, definitely IBIS, definitely stabilized. The vibration reduction on the sensor. So important. I think that combined with, obviously, a, a better video mode and all of the new technology advancements from the XP7 processor and the autofocus improvements that we get will turn that camera into something that people will actually really cover for wildlife and sports photography. That's right. And we have now 26 megapixel sensors in Fuji systems, mm -hmm. which is APS-C DX. So Fuji doesn't make their own sensors again, so they can source those sensors. Yes. Bring the XP7, you're right. Vibration reduction, we just need to have it. It needs to be done because, again, if you're a videographer, 
you really appreciate vibration reduction in the sense of when you film in handheld. 100%. So that's what I think the Z50 will be. When it comes out is another matter. When do you think they would release something like that? Well, it needs to be done as soon as, but knowing Nick and I don't think we'll see it early this year. So maybe in the second quarter or third quarter of the year, which is a shame really, but it just kind of puts into perspective Nick and attention to, towards the X system. Nick wants you to go full frame. Mm-hmm. If you like it or not, it's just the company strategy, really, to kind of put you on the, on the path to a full-frame sensor. Again, I personally think we should cover both, but that's what that's what it is. I personally think that the Z50 is more of a D7000 series cameras. Mm-hmm. I personally think that we need to see a pro camera, a D500 replacement called Z500 or Z90. Mm-hmm. I don't think we need Z70 that much, that a lot of people say, but I think we need to have one camera above that, which is also going to have a bigger form factor. We don't need Z8 form factor, maybe a bit smaller, but Z50 is quite small and delicate, and it's a great travel camera. I don't think it's the best camera to handle long lenses, though. No, my idea would have been that the Z50 replacement does bulk up a tiny bit, just to support those longer lenses and to be a little bit more better weather sealed, etc. And that the ZFC kind of takes the place of the D7000 cameras. I know that the retro design isn't for everyone, but more and more people these days are going for retro design cameras, as can be seen in the success of Fuji's system, as well as the ZFC and ZF. So I don't think that we need another camera in the DX range. I also don't think that we will see a Z30 replacement I'll be interested to watch this video back at the end of next year and see how wrong we are. Yeah. To be honest with you, Nikon used to replace D3000 series cameras on a yearly basis. Yeah. So I don't mind Nikon releasing those cameras, having literally the same camera. But if we can get a vibration reduction on the sensor for vloggers camera, this is the camera designed for video work in mind. I think... It's very important to have one, but yes, we may not get it this year because maybe they'll try to get the technology down a little bit cost-wise, you know, so who knows. But I do feel like, yes, why not to release a very expensive DX camera? Mm -hmm. It's We have now cameras that are priced at something like £2,700 in DX range Mm -hmm. from Fuji. Mm -hmm. So Nikon can charge the same. Make it a DX version of Z9, of Z8, Mm -hmm. not Z9. We're not going to see that mini Z9, but more form factor of Z8, maybe a little bit smaller, but... Put all that technology there with a DX sensor and charge premium for it for the professional camera. It seems like, according to many comments online, that there is a decade niche for that. I know that from one point, Nikon probably won't expect to sell as many units as, let's say, Z50 Mark II would sell. Sure. But I think, again, it could be the year where we finally can have that camera and uh, a lot of wildlife and sports photographers are going to be really, really happy. Yes, they are. Now, let's move on to the lenses. Now, we have 35.1.2 that hasn't been released yet, so we are hoping for it to be released in the first quarter of the year. This is on Nikon lenses lineup, and we haven't got updated lineup as of yet for the 2024. Nikon mentioned that they're not going to release lineups anymore for the reason that at this point they feel like the system is quite full, maybe not fully completed, but probably 90% there. It's well established, let's put it that way. Yeah. So in terms of this, what other lenses do you think Nikon can release next year? And this one is going to be more speculative-wise compared to the cameras. This is definitely going to be us just giving you our wish list. I think that It has been asked for by many photographers and you and I both agree that more small short primes are needed for their cameras like the ZF and ZFC. We want small prime lenses to walk around with that don't 
don't end up being like that big that can almost make the camera slip in the pocket if you've got a very large pocket. And I think that having something at the wider end of that, so a 20, you know, there's a little 23.5 manual focus lens. Here we go. It's this big. If Nikon could do that then... <laughs> Yeah. What about 14 mil? Show them study. <laughs> Seth and I. The man can dream. <laughs> Seth and I are both advocating, and I think Matt Irwin as well, are advocating a short, stubby 14 mil prime. But I do think that they could do it with a 20. That's enough gap between their 26, 28, 40. And then I think at the other end of that, a 60 walk around, which would be small. Even Fuchtlander do a 90 mil. I know it's F mount, but they do a 90 mil that is small. So basically smaller prime lenses. Yep. Not as wide aperture, so That's let's say they'll be f two, f two point eight. Usually, they're not they're not usually smaller aperture than that. I mean, the forty f two is small. Yeah, but let's say we have thirty five one point eight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have forty f two. So kind of that's what we're thinking. And the size is different. You know, the focal yeah. distance is the same. So let's say we have fifty one eight. Why not to release fifty f two or something? You yeah. know, but I think well, because we have twenty eight and forty, we kind of just need a lens for longer range. And the seventy five is actually really good focal distance. Seventy five is a great idea. So if you can release one of those, so we have Trinity of 28, 40, and 75, nice and small, I think it's going to be a clear winner. We don't need the super wide aperture for this because those are fun lenses and they're not, they're not supposed to be very expensive. Now onto more expensive glass, we still don't have 28, 1.8, surprisingly. I don't know why we have 20, 24, 35, 1.8. It's very true. We're missing a 28, 1.8. But not 28. Did they kind of go, well, we've got a 26 2.8 and we've got a 28 2.8, so now. <laughs> well, who knows? We also have 28 1.4 E, which is a beautiful F-mount lens. Mm. And I think it could be a year where once we get our 35 1.2, we get 28 1.2 or 28 1.4. Wow. Okay. So we're going there. The you know, about yeah. like a full like <laughs> loaf of bread bus. size, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, again, you know, obviously super expensive, but will people be. will rave about it, you know. So I think we need that. We need that. I mean, we got macro lenses. We got 50 and 105, but we could do with 200. We could definitely do with a 200 macro for the Z system. I also think that we are at that point now where we could look at seeing a perspective control lens dedicated to the yes, Z system. absolutely. The 19mm PCE lens came out not that long ago. So I understand why Nikon haven't then ventured to bring out a new one for the Z system, but there are a set of PCE lenses which are also micro. They are one-to-one -one reproduction, 45mm and 85mm, Yes, which means that they can be used for product photography and you get that depth of field shift as well. Food photography, yeah. absolutely. Which we don't have in the Z system. So I think Z perspective control lenses could be very, very useful, particularly if they hit that sort of 45 or 85 mil focal length. Somewhere around that doesn't have to be exactly that. But then we're also missing some primes. Yes. Long primes. Well, yeah, if we're talking about long telephoto lenses, obviously we still don't have 200 F2. Make it 1.2. We want it. <laughs> it's Make it even bigger than a bus. Make it a double-decker. <laughs> 300 and 500. Obviously, we've got, Nikon decided to do 400, 600, and 800. They did. There's still people say that I want 300 and 500 mil, but obviously Nikon said to us that, well, actually, the focal distance are so close yeah. that there's a reason why we went with those. Mm. But, you know, since it's a year where we don't need to plug the holes, you know, why not release 200? I think is the most kind of the one that I personally want. But then, yeah, get us 300 and 500 lens. Do we need anything else? Do we need the only thing I would say is so there are two other areas that we haven't covered. One is DX lenses, 
Yes. So obviously we now have 1228, 1650, 5250, 18140. We don't have an all-in-one DX lens. We need something like a 16 to 300 or an 18 yes. to 300. Absolutely. Nikon has two 4F mounts, the big one, which is a little bit sharper than the light one. That's right. So we definitely need this. This is going to be one of their best-selling lenses. I mean, 18 to 140 is kind of 27 to 200 lens. Yeah, it's we, almost there. Yeah, but we do want that in a long range. And again, it's aimed at mass consumer markets. It's normally going to be bundled with a camera like, let's say, Z50. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be definitely a good option. I still think we need a wide angle zoom with two rings, one focusing and one zoom ring and not power zoom. Sure. A 10 to 20 or a 10 to 24 equivalent would Absolutely. be great. Absolutely. The other one that I think we're missing a trick on is if they do decide to bring out a professional DX camera, we need a professional mid-range DX lens. In the olden days, we had the 17 to 55 yes. 2.8. Then it was replaced out by, remarkably sharper, 16 to 80 f2.8 to 4. Yes. So if we had a 16 to 80 f2.8 to 4, I don't think it actually needs to be a 2.8 to 4, but if it, if we could have a 16 to 80 2.8 that's not too big yeah. in the Z line. It's a, di- it's a difficult one, and I think we're going to see a variable aperture zoom. We're not going to see a proper 17 to 55 2.8 and just based on Nikon's strategy of converting everyone to full frame. For sure. If you think about when 1755 came out, it was it came out about maybe 12 years ago, maybe more. more. So it came out around the time, I think, when D200 came out or yes, so. correct. So in terms of this, they haven't replaced it since then. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. So because full frame cameras came out. So in terms of this, I think if we get something like 16 to 80, 2.8 to 4, that's probably going to be the best solution for that. Sure. Keeps the size down as well. Yeah. And to be honest, optically, we did do comparisons at the time and the 16 to 80 was sharper and faster to focus than the 17 to 55, just because of the age of the technology. And Nikon have advanced enough now that they can make exceptional lenses with variable apertures. So the variable aperture thing isn't really a deal breaker, I don't think. And you know what? I actually have more DX lenses to add. You do. We need those little primes, like for full frame, but for DX cameras, like for Nikon ZFC, we need 18 F2, which is equivalent of 28 mil on full frame. Yeah. We need that because again, 28 mil focal distance it's great focal distance. A lot of people love it. So we don't have this. We have 24.17, which is equivalent of 35 millimeters. We have it now. That's true. But back in the F-mount days, we have 35.1.8, which was equivalent of 50. Yeah. So if we get 18 F2 mm-hmm. and we got 35.1.8, mm-hmm. I think we are covered on the X range, really, yeah. for kind of small prime lenses to pair with your Z50 or Nikon ZFC. There you go. All right. What about zoom lenses for full frame? I think that we're pretty well covered on zooms. Especially on mid-range. I mean, okay, let's talk about ranges. Ultra-wide angle. We've got 14, 30, 14, 24. I think two lenses, plenty, really. You've forgotten the 17 to 28. <laughs> I didn't. I just chose to ignore it. Um, <laughs> in mid-range, we have 24 to 70, 24 to 50, second 24 to 70, 2.8, 24 to 120, and the one I forgot, which is 28 to 75. I mm-hmm. <laughs> chose not to mention. And then long range, we got 70 to 180, 70 to 200, Technically, there's 7300 from Tamron from the producer of 70 to 180. <laughs> you know, so we've got quite a few lenses, and then we have all in one, which is 24 to 200. Nikon has 28 to 300 for F mount, so they can potentially release an, another one of those. And back in the day, Nikon did release quite a few all round lenses. We had like three versions of 18 to 200, and then two versions of 18 to 300 for DX. And then how many 28 to 300 do you have? 
Just one, but we had lots of 24-200s and 24-120s. No, we, we had two 28-200s and one 28-300 for full frame. So I don't mind if Nikon will release something like 24 to 300, which mm. is not going to be as good as 24 to 200. But again, it's aimed at consumer market for travel photography. Sure. I think then at the longer end, we're now covered by the 100 to 400, the 180 to 600, and then our long primes, as we talked about. I wondered at one point if they were going to do a Z equivalent of the 180 to 400, Pro lens or the okay. 120 to 300 f 2.8 Pro lens. These okay. are F mount lenses. They are for serious photographers. They're not for amateur photographers at all. And I think that there is a market for them for professional Z photographers, sports model photographers who don't want to buy F mount lenses now. Mm -hmm. I think those are future. I don't think there's a 2024 release, but with the Olympics coming up, you never know what Nikon will just like throw into the mix. And if you forgot something or you have more suggestions what you should release next year, definitely put them in the comments below. Now, I think we covered everything, Nikon. I mean, in terms of accessories, we probably will see some grips, but do you think we will ever see an FTZ adapter that can drive old AF, AFD type lenses? Do you think it's going to happen or shall we just let the third party roam in that space and get all the sales? I think that Nikon are not going to do it. That, uh, that is the end of my answer. Well, thank you very much for joining <laughs> us. That was, um, you know, that was a good discussion. I have Mark III adapter. Um, I agree with you. It's, it's one of those kind of answers that unfortunately we don't want to give, but we think it's going to be the same way. And yeah. if Nikon decides to do that, it's going to be a surprise to us and we will be so happy if they do this. Yes. We definitely will let you know about this. And we'll definitely shoot a lot of videos about it as well. We 100% will. Please understand that it's not our desire that they don't make an FTZ Mark III. It is just the reality of conversations we've had with various people at Nikon. And we just don't think that they consider it to be cost effective. That's the thing. That's It's like this conversation about Z500. I want Z500 to be out. Yeah. I, I, want, I will never buy it. No. Because it's not the camera for me. But I want Nikon to cover all the aspects, all the market, compete with everything and be the photographer-oriented brand that covers basically everything you throw at it. So there's a, always a camera or lens for anything you want to do. So obviously that's what we want to do. The reality is obviously companies have different strategies for different brands have different strategies. Therefore, they decide what they decide to do. They do indeed. Exactly. We can talk about it and hopefully it gets somewhere. And who knows, maybe it may be taken on board. Who knows? Maybe our predictions will come true like they did with the ZF all those years ago. Or Global Shots. If you repeat it every year for five years, <laughs> it will happen. Speaking of next generation technology, what do you think we'll start to see in photographic technology next year? Do oh you God, have any I am the wrong person to ask that question. <laughs> I should what about ask books? you that question. <laughs> like, I was 100, I'm like, I have no idea. I have panic no idea. in my eyes. <laughs> Okay, so... Software, AI, you know, you, the basic stuff. You, when oh you don't an answer, you say AI, computational photography, oh, <laughs> you know. Well, ZF is already using deep learning technology. The deep learning. It's, it's the two options, deep learning and deep tone. Obviously, they've already started including AI into their cameras. The ZF has deep learning technology, which allows the camera to actually see the scene that you're taking the picture of. And it has this sort of 
advanced automatic mode where the camera then adjusts the aperture and shutter speed, not just going, oh, that's the light and therefore that, but it actually looks at what your subject is. If it's a portrait, it uses a shallow depth of field and a very wide aperture, and then obviously speeds up the shutter speed to compensate for that. In contrast, if it's a subject that's moving, it tries to detect the fact that the subject is moving and uses a fast shutter speed, etc. So there's lots of AI going into our cameras already without us ever really realizing it. And I think that that will continue. I don't think that that is ever going to go away now. Yeah, we're going to go all deep and all learning. Is that what you're saying? That's right. That's right. All right. Well, also, I think computational photography is going to be a big part of it. And I think whoever designs a professional camera and a consumer proper camera to work like a phone, We'll win a lot of hearts from consumer market, not us photographers. We, we won't care. appreciate that. And we're probably not going to like that. I'm going to definitely write a lot of comments. But whoever does this will win a lot of market that is not buying those cameras at this moment because it may be a bit too difficult. You know, photography can be a little bit too overwhelming when you're just starting out, you know. So especially if you watch all those YouTube videos. They don't help you at all. Exactly. So, <laughs> so in terms of this, I think whoever designs a camera that can work very intuitive as much as your touch phone. Yes. And produce the imagery, which may be not true to the scene you see, but looks beautiful out of the box. That would be cool. As soon as we start to get kind of up type settings where maybe you can press on the person and this person disappears, you know, those kind of things. Wow. And maybe we'll ask you to take a second shot and feel the background. Mm -hmm. As soon as we start to get a bit of content aware side of things, mm -hmm. Again, maybe it's not going to happen this year, but I can see this happening because if you can Could do happen. a lot of things in camera mm. without getting into your post-processing software, the better it is. Why do I need to buy Photoshop if, let's say, I just want to take pictures of my kids? Mm -hmm. You know, why can't I do it in camera? So yeah. that means we need, obviously, faster processes. Yeah. You know, spec-wise, they should be beefed up a little bit more to, to do all that functionality. Yes. But if you can get those things in cameras and very intuitive without going to the menus, but literally with a touch of a finger mm. of the screen, I think that is going to be the next big change, not from technology point of view, not for professional photographers, but for everyone else. And again, the more cameras being sold, obviously the industry grows, it funds the development of everything else. So we need to keep that in mind. And yes. maybe we, even if you don't like it, we still need to kind of embrace it. Embrace little. it. I agree. I won't be interested until it can make me a cup of tea and do the dishes for me. I agree. So it needs to have wheels and hands. <laughs> Sorry, it needs to be a little robot. Or wafer or wafer. What do you think? Is that going to be a good thing? Um, in terms of obviously global shots, so we cover this. I think we will start to see that in steel cameras nowadays. Obviously, we had them in the, in the cinema cameras. As you can see, the first generation native ISO 250, the noise levels are quite high on very high ISO. So there are limitations of this, but obviously the great advantages to be had there. And I think we will start to see more of that technology in cameras from other brands. And hopefully that technology will develop because I think it's probably will be the future in terms of steels photography. So yeah, we will definitely see an improvement and refinement of this technology in the future releases. We will. There are plenty of other areas that we haven't covered such as film photography and other developments outside of Nikon's just camera and lens production. We would love to hear your thoughts about what you think is going to happen in the next year. And if there are any things that you think we've missed out, please include them in the comments below. If you like this video, give us a like and subscribe. And if you found this video super useful, there's super thanks buzzing as well. We'll see you next year. Stay safe out there. <laughs>
<laughs> it's yeah. it's wild out yeah. there. We will see you next year. Go do some photography. Take some actual photographs. Let's talk less about specifications of the cameras and actually more about photography next year. At least that's what I think we should do, Becky. Okay. Challenge accepted. Tell us what you think. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs>